Good morning. Hopefully this is the final class. I'm not sure. Um, we might do some closing comments next week. Um, what What is the next class going to be? It will be Cursing with God, a quick book study, a book by Trevor Lawrence on imprecatory psalms. Is that a book that we can pick up? Or? Yeah, it's very expensive, though. I yeah, I, I, I think I... I to summarize it in class here. Yeah, I think I looked it up and it was like $60. Yeah, it's, it's <sighs> you know, limited print edition, that's why it's so costly. So he's a good cover. guy, he's one of the Theophilus guys who wrote an introduction to it. Hardcover. Cursing with God. All right. Well, welcome to Wisdom uh, for Dissidents, one of the final classes. I don't even remember what number of class this is because it's been so long. 40-11. What? 40-11. Yeah, 4011, sure. <laughs> Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. I I read that wrong. It's suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord. And the Lord is very pitiful, and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. God's Word. Our dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful Lord's Day that you've given us. I thank you for 51 years of Tri-City Covenant Church. I pray that um, we would take the message from this book of James, and I pray that we would uh, not just dwell on the blessings of the past, but rest assured in your faithfulness that you will do it again, as you have always done, that you will make a new creation And I pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Amen. So glad I remembered my glasses today. Usually my reading is pretty stuttered and stoppy, but when I remember my glasses, much better. So, coming to the end of the book of James, we're in James 5, verses 7 through 20, which is what I just just read 7 through 12. Um, so we're coming to a close of our, of our study of James, and you'll see that we're summarizing the themes of the book of James as we push our way towards the conclusion. So, what must we believe if we're going to be patient? We went over this last week. So there's um, certain things that Jeff Myers uh, laid out, and he laid it out uh, in the context of um, children. And we need to remember that we are God's children, and as his children, there are certain things that we need to rest assured in uh, in order to be patient. So the one asking you to wait is trustworthy. God asks us to wait 
and we can trust in him. The wait won't be too long or so long that it won't be worth your time. It's always worth your time to do God's work. He will do it in his good timing. We need to trust in his timing. You must be willing to, to behave yourself while waiting or you forfeit the right to, I put O, but it says it should say to what you're waiting for. I was Irish that day. Um, so forfeit the right to what you're waiting for. And it's like we've talked about in the last couple of classes, um, this concept of God's going to do it. He's going to make a new creation. It's just waiting for us to be obedient. These conditions hold true no matter who is waiting or what they're waiting for. So trust, wait time, and behavior. Remember those three things. Trust, wait time, and behavior. This reminds me of a technique I use in the school when, I, when there's a difficult matter uh, with a student or even with faculty. Um, I'll sometimes just say, wait. I'll make a decision that you must wait yeah. And I've learned early that one of the things that happens then is the person has to submit. Mm. They have to just sit there and wait. And that's an act yeah. of submission. And I think if, if I wanted to, you know, solve the problem, I couldn't in a flash. But I've got to establish that wait interval. Mm -hmm. Because that establishes my authority. Mm. Plus it gives me a little time to think, but that's the practical and God doesn't need that. He doesn't need more planning time. No. But he does need, he does desire us to submit. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord, it's hard, but I'll wait. Fine. Yeah. And then when I'm ready, meaning the one in authority is ready, I will not. Yeah. And, you know, that, that does a lot for the, for the equation. Right yeah. I, I found the same thing, actually, to be true. And I, I never thought of it until you were just saying it uh, right now. But I found it to be true at the factory. Somebody might come to me with a problem. They want it solved immediately. And what are you going to do about it? Wait. Yeah. Well, just, just. Yeah, they want an answer Yeah, give, give me, give me a minute to go over this. Wait. And I've, I've even found that in, in my family. Of course, Grace doesn't understand waiting, but sometimes there will be a problem and. My wife rightfully bring, brings that problem to me, and she goes, what should we do? And I'll say, be patient. You know, we should be patient. We should wait. You know, I, if, if we make the decision now, uh, immediately, we, we risk uh, making that decision without, without knowing everything, without having all the facts, without having thoroughly thought through, without having an appropriate plan. So wait. And... Yeah, you forces that okay, I'm in charge. Next yeah. time I'll have another demand. Yes, yeah. My dad used to say uh he had a saying that if you need the answer now, the answer's no. <laughs> yeah, if you need the answer now, the answer's no. I like that. 
Well, for, it's not a yes or no answer. It's not what you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the listeners of James's letter, it was imperative that they to follow these steps. Believed what Jesus, uh, excuse me, believed what James or Jacob was prophesying, that God's promise was trustworthy. They needed to believe that the Lord's coming was soon. And they needed to behave appropriately. God is waiting for our obedience. You know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with uh, crying as the psalmist cries. We see it all throughout the Bible, this uh, posture of waiting. But crying as the psalmist cries, how long, O Lord? We, we see that over and over again. How long, O Lord? That's the nature of the saints. And we even see that in Revelation. How long, O Lord? How long before you avenge our blood? There's nothing wrong with that, though. No. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it, it's a funny thing we'll get into uh, in some of our uh, later slides. It was actually a slide I was preparing this morning, but is in the context of Job, because Job's mentioned here, and a lot of as an example of you know uh, long suffering and patience, and uh, you know be, and being righteous and faithfulness and a lot of commentators are like well that couldn't possibly be the same Job uh, in the book of Job because because he cried out against God you know and, and it's this this really pious posture that a lot of people take towards the early church fathers um, and I can get into that a little more but it it is to me just despicable um, to take that kind of posture. I even saw, and I don't want, I don't want to take this too out of context because he's, he's a friend of ours, but I, I even saw a, a friend of ours, um, and I'm not going to say who, but he posted this thing on uh, Facebook of he condemns Joseph. He has a problem with Joseph, the church father Joseph, because um, he sold the, the you know, when... When the Egyptians couldn't pay for the grain anymore, he, they sold them, uh, they sold to Pharaoh the land. Yeah, he made made money. But but the that giving up of land and taking the land from the people, well, the the really uh, the, the gentleman I'm referring to is more of a libertarian type. So the li really libertarian people are like, oh, that's that's awful. He took away their freedom. Joseph did. So I so he's got a big problem with. Joseph and I was like thinking about that and I'm really slow to condemn any of the church fathers if there's no biblical condemnation if it's not in the if it's not in if it's not in the text you know like we can see when David sinned there was a condemnation there you know we can see uh, lots of people where God condemns them you know but we want it to be God's condemnations not ours he was condemning Joseph for selling. For, for, yeah, for having the people sell the land. He, he was insinuating that Joseph sold all the people into slavery. The people of Israel. Yeah. Into Goshen. Yeah. Uh, well, I, and the Egyptians. You know, but... Um, be a much longer conversation than we're prepared to have today. We're talking about the book of James, not... We're not going back to Genesis. <laughs> Although, although if you listen to James Jordan, uh, you, you know, 
we're always going to go back to Genesis. You know, we're always going to be talking about Gen Genesis or Revelation, no matter what we're talking about in the Bible. Yeah. He was always very gifted in that way. Um, so back to James. <laughs> um, so let's, so last week I went over a summary of the themes of James thus far, and what we're seeing uh, here at the end is a repetition uh, of a lot of the themes, and then a final exhortation that we'll see in verse uh, twenty, uh, verse nineteen and twenty. Um, but a summary of the themes thus far is blessedness of remaining patient in trials. Um, part of patient waiting is believing the promised vindication is coming in a timely manner, trusting God's divine timing in these matters, and what it means to be steadfast, to remain steadfast. And last week I talked about Moses at the uh, Red Sea, and how God God says to Moses, "Why did you? Why are you crying out to me? Go forward. This is simple. It's simple command." And they had just seen God's faithfulness, and it's. It's this uh, trap that we often fall into, this temptation that we often fall into, where we've seen God's faithfulness over and over again, and yet we end up doubting. You know, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's insane, but it's something that we, we all, even, you know, my, even I myself, have that temptation to doubt God. You know, what are you doing? And we see the events in the world. Well, what is he doing? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe we are pre-mill, you know, but no, we're not. Um, he had this analogy of Jesus in a pickle jar. It was, uh, it was in relation to a novel that I haven't read, I'm not familiar with, called um, Mojo in a Pickle Jar. And what he talked about was um, how in that novel, it was basically the heart of Mary was in a pickle jar and the person could reach in there and they could manipulate the entirety of the universe. And that's the kind of God that we so often want. We want God to be our genie in the bottle. He's at our beck and call. But God does not work that way. We are to perform His wonders. He is not to perform our wonders. However, when we are prophets, we do sit on counsel with God. We can sit and talk with Him, advise, ask for things. But that's a prophetic role, and we, and we are still working His will. God determines the when and how. I didn't skip one, did I? God determines the when and the how. It is our portion to obey Wait and trust. Like the farmer, our work might seem meaningless at the planting, but we can be sure that it will bring forth fruit. And today Mrs. Bartels is here, so I've got to be careful what I say about gardening and farming. But um, we, we know that when we, when we plant a garden, it doesn't look like anything. Like, like if you were to, the day you planted, hey, look at my garden. Isn't it beautiful? And they no, it's nothing but a pile of dirt. But as I pointed out last week, um, come around Fourth of July, or or uh, you know some some stuff comes up in August. Some stuff comes up as early as June. Um, but come midsummer, you have a whole garden. 
It's glorious. It's Edenic. And it takes work. But it is glorious. But we have to, when we, when we plant, we're trusting that that will come, come to fruition. I like that word, fruition. Fits with our analogy here. All right. So then we have an exhortation in the book of James, and I'm going to read it real quick. Let's see, where was it? Uh, James 5, verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. So I had some comments that I put in here. Um, and, and a lot of them are, uh, I was working with Jeff Meyer's work, but I had some comments that I put in here because I think they're important for us to hear. Um, so the exhortation is, do not grumble. That was Jeff's translation. Do not grumble against one another. It, and I have this note that I put. In the church, we fight a war within as well as a war without. Um, one of the things I heard Jim Jordan say um, earlier this week uh, when I was listening to the Theopolis podcast was he said he said church business is is a bloody struggle uh struggling business um it's it's a war and we're fighting that war within and the war without unfortunately in the church we would like to think that we don't have to struggle with our sin natures but we do we have the temptation towards fighting and arguing with each other in order to advance divergent agendas. So in the very political realm that we're dealing with in the book of James, um, there would there would have been divergent agendas. We see um, the temptation towards zealotry and whatnot. We can even see this in our culture today. Um, is it liberalism, leftism, conservatism, right-wing, uh, you know, all these different uh, agendas um, and they all diverge. Uh, they all diverge here in the church body. Um, so we need to fight this temptation of fighting and arguing um, and trying to advance those types of agendas. The King James says, "Grudge not one against another." Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Greek says on this, but I always like the word "don't hold a grudge." Mm. In other words, you're going to have grumblings. You're going to have conflicts. You're going to you know, bang up against each other and get mad at each other. Yeah. But get over it. Don't yeah. let it linger. Yeah, the King James Version does use the word grudge not. And I, I like the word grudge not. Um, now, Jeff went and he got the translation of grumble. I think they're both appropriate. Um, uh, and the reason why is uh, one of the things one of the things I want to talk about is the temptation that we have within the church body to, um, I would almost say, dirty the church body by grumbles and resentment and uh you know uh trying to think of the word i wanted to use grumbling and resentment and just just looking at a person with disdain within the church body we don't want to dirty the church body in that way We're, we're all struggling with sin and there is a right and a wrong Mm-hmm. But they, they all, they can be brief. Hopefully they're brief. Mm-hmm. Grudge. Means, yeah. Man, I'm going to think about this every day when I wake up. Okay. Keep, it, keep turning it around. It's going to, oh, 
Okay. Uh, I do think Jeff's uh, translation is from the Greek. Okay. Um, right. right. But if it continues, but, well, yeah, I, I think there still is that attitude um, of holding a holding a grudge. All oh, that that guy, you know, I was in, I was in the. Uh, we had that elders deacon meeting earlier this week, and I didn't get what I wanted. You know that type of that type of thing. It seems to be what uh, Jeff Myers is warning against here. Um, you know, and and especially with zealotry, we're talking we're talking a much bloodier work than what we deal with in our day and age. Um, so there there is some wrestling that is good. But our posture is not one of animosity. That's the word I was looking for. I even had it in there. Our posture is not one of animosity or resentment within the body of Christ. And I, and I put this quote in again. This is uh, from, uh, why did I forget his name? Francis Schaeffer. Yeah. yeah, I can't see it. It's so small on my screen. <laughs> Francis Schaeffer from uh, The Mark of a Christian. Our relationship with each other is the criterion the world use, uses to judge whether our message is fruitful, truthful, excuse me, truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. The world sees, the world sees how we act. They know who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a very good point from uh, the mark of the Christian is that God has given them the criteria which they which they can judge, and you'll you'll see it over and over again. The world does really look at us and say, "You guys have so many divides, so many schisms. You guys you guys aren't acting like your." Your Jesus told you to act. And th- these are some, this is a couple notes that I put in here. Um, so this is not directly from Jeff's work, although it was inspired by the topic. When we use the word politics, we usually think that, that this word only has to do with government, but there is naturally a political environment in churches, families, and in the workplace that we will naturally have to maneuver through. During this wrestling within the church body, we should remember that we are building each other up and we are not to foster an attitude of resentment within the body of Christ. Again, my notes. If a healthy church body upholds its elders and pastors as well as each other without grumbling and resentment, if you are fostering this attitude of resentment and grumbling towards your fellow members, James gives a warning to you that the judge is standing at the door. That's a, I got that from Jeff Myers. That a judge is standing at the door. This is where judge not, lest ye be judge, judged properly applies. So we, I, we already talked about how judge not, lest ye be judged, is improperly applied. But here it is properly applied. The judge is standing at the door. Any more thoughts on that before I move on?
church as a whole are so, like you say, terribly divided. We even mm -hmm. sometimes go to war with each other, Christian nation against Christian nation. Mm -hmm. and, and I, I had a conversation with a pastor, a good pastor in our area. His kids are in our school. Real nice guy, good man. And he's Baptist. Mm -hmm. But so we have some disagreements there. And also uh, eschatology, I think this is William Series, pre-mill. But he said something to the effect that, well, we can just agree to disagree on these things. You know, the idea of put them aside and still get along. Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. But I said, better than that would be to have fun with it. And meet yeah. from time to time and talk these things over. It's fun. It's, yeah. it's not, these aren't right. cardinal doctrines. We're not arguing about the deity of Christ. We're arguing about the secondary doctrines. Yeah. And it's fun to do that. And we're big boys, well, and we can talk about it. Right. It, walk away friends. Yeah. I, I would I would agree. I would agree it should be fun. I, I have yeah. seen I have seen some good lively uh, debates where they're they're not actually angry at each other. Um, but I've seen some good lively debates, especially with uh, uh, Gabe Wrench from uh, the Cross Politic. Yeah. Um, he's, he works with Toby Sumter a lot on that show. Um, but he he was doing a debate about infant baptism, and he, he was taking our position, which is that we can baptize inf infants. And he was working uh, with somebody at James White's church who was not, you know, they're Baptists, so they don't they believe in credo baptism. And it was just it was just really uh, I could feel joy when I was listening to it because I I, I enjoyed the wrestling match. You know, I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing them go back and forth. There was no anger or animosity. There were there were shots fired, right. you know. But like there there was a little bit of pushing back. I mean, and it's a hard thing to hear that you're taking a position that's not biblical, right. which both of them insinuated about the other, you know. But right. but they, they, it, you could feel the joy that they were that they were enjoying that wrestling. And if we're honest, and we should be honest. We should be very aware that we are going to struggle with God's word. It is difficult. It is difficult, bloody work. Can you imagine what it must have been like with the twelve? We have Matthew, the tax collector. Yeah. He was a tax collector there, and then you have you know the Simon the Zealot. These are you know yeah. they they want to. Like yeah. and, and they had to get along yes. for three years. Yes. Very, very diverse people. And and we, one thing I've always um, thought was kind of cool about this church is not everybody here agrees with everything, you know. Um, and with that being said, I, I would say that, you know, we should, we should submit to, um, you know, the positions that the position papers that the elders put out and things like that but but we're always going to have members who struggle with some of um, the things that we teach and that's okay it is it is like I said if we're honest with the Bible it is a bloody hard work it is a wrestling match and enjoy it enjoy the wrestling match one of the things that strikes me about listening to James Jordan is, is when he's, he's talking about some very difficult things in the Bible, and he approaches it with humility, but he also approaches it with joy, absolute joy, 
when he's up there teaching. And it's an absolute joy for everyone to listen to. Considering the church fathers, and I'm going to just make a couple more uh, comments and then we're going to close down a little early and then next week we're going to have some closing comments. Considering the church fathers, I want to note that too often we condemn many of these men. I've already said that once today. It's my opinion that we should be slow to judge, um, slow to judgments, especially if there's no condemnation in the Bible. The faithfulness of the church fathers is an example of the future for the future generations because the fruit of their faithfulness was often not realized and never fully realized in their lifetime. You know, so we we are once again where where those planters. We're planting that seed in our garden, and we we are trusting that it will um, come to fruition. You know, we plant that seed with our children. We plant that seed when we build a church. We plant that seed when we uh, speak God's word um, every day at the pulpit. Planting that seed, seed, and trusting that the fruit will come forth. It's an interesting thing. Um, you know, uh, Jesus is, he, he's often portrayed as a, a husbandman, a shepherd. A shepherd is husbandman, but, uh, you know, and the husbandman is also, it's interesting that it has the word husband in it. You know, he, he has this, uh, he's planting uh, seeds and he's, he's leading us forward. And um, one, one thing that I think is a, Good um, analogy for a husband, you know, and I, I, I think of this with my wife is, uh, you know, you know, am I, am I tending that that fertile soil, you know, am I, am I tending uh, to my needs, or am I abdicating, you know, the, when are you going to do this? Oh, when I get to it, stop nagging me, woman. That's not good husbandry, you know. <laughs> That, yeah, that's not that's not good husbandry, and it's and you're going to find that that fertile that uh, soil is not too fertile, you know, w- when you want to reap the fruits from it. Moving away from that analogy before it gets out of hand, <clears throat> I put this note in there. Have you considered Job? Our idea of righteous suffering is often confused with stoicism, and we are tempted to condemn Job. Many commentators think that James couldn't be referring to the same Job from the book of Job. Uh, I found this very interesting. Um, It couldn't possibly be Job. He uh, spoke up against God. Nope, it's the same guy. God God did not condemn Job in the book of Job. God uh, actually affirms Job in the book of Job. And I'll read this uh, thing from uh, page 316. It's a long paragraph, so I'm not going to read it today. But I'll begin with that next week. So when I go back and listen to this recording, when I put it on the podcast, I'll hear. So I'm making a note for myself. Start with that quote from uh, page 316, because it's a long paragraph. Um, And we'll get into that. Any more comments before we uh, close down in prayer? Nothing to add? Okay. Um, Dad, would you close us in prayer today?
Heavenly Father, we happily bow before you and your word. We thank you for speaking to us and leaving it even in a book. And we also thank you for this particular study. We do pray that you would sanctify our time together and the words that have been spoken and that there would be lasting Holy Spirit-driven change in our lives as a result. Dismiss us now with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, everyone. One more class, hopefully. <laughs>